footsteps behind you as you enter the woods. Night draws back its cape. Light illumines your path. Open your eyes. Listen. Welcome to Dark Softly Tales. Dark stories for dark hearts. I'm Mav Sky. Good evening and welcome to Your Nightmares, where we like to keep it dark and dreamy here at Dark Softly Tales. This is your host, Mav. Tonight, we get to kick down some doors, look for some monsters, and swear to keep our dearest friend's honor in check. And by that I mean a door, maybe a monster. And you can take the keeping dearest friend's honor intact at face value. If you are brand new to the program, you'll want to go back to episode 78 to start at the very beginning. You are also welcome to pick up a free audio story by signing up for my newsletter. Just go to darksoftlytalespodcast.com, scroll down to the bottom, pop in your email, and you'll be taken to a page where you can download the story. I don't collect any personal information because I don't even know how to do that. And even if I could, I wouldn't because I don't roll like that. And I promise not to plague your inbox with spam mail. In fact, if anything, I'm pretty terrible about getting newsletters out. However, I think it's nice to be able to touch base if need be. Okay, let's go kick in some doors with our friends Utterson and Poole. Anything or anyone can be behind that door. But don't worry, I got your hand. There's nothing to be afraid of. Is there? Take my hand and hang on tight as we journey into the dark softly. The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Robert Louis Stevenson Narrated by Mav Sky Chapter 8, Part 2 The Last Night. Ah, Mr. Utterson, that's talking, cried the butler. And now comes the second question, resumed Utterson. Who is going to do it? Why, you and me, sir, was the undaunted reply. That's very well said, returned the lawyer. And whatever comes of it, I shall make it my business to see that you are no loser. There is an axe in the theater, continued Poole, and you might take the kitchen poker for yourself. The lawyer took that rude but weighty instrument into his hand and balanced it. Do you know, Poole, he said, looking up, that you and I are about to place ourselves in a position of some peril? You may say so, sir, indeed, returned the butler. It is well, then, that we should be frank said the other. We both think more than we have said. Let us make a clean breast. This masked figure that you saw, did you recognize it? Well, sir, it went so quick, and the creature was so doubled up that I could hardly swear to that, was the answer. But if you mean, was it Mr. Hyde? Why, yes, I think it was. You see, it was much of the same bigness 
and it had the same quick, light way with it. And then, who else could have got in by the laboratory door? You have not forgot, sir, that at the time of the murder, he still had the key with him. But that's not all. I don't know, Mr. Utterson, if you've ever met this Mr. Hyde. Yes, said the lawyer. I once spoke with him. Then you must know, as well as the rest of us, that there was something queer about that gentleman. Something that gave a man a turn. I don't know rightly how to say it, sir, beyond this. That you felt in your marrow, kind of cold and thin. I own that I felt something of what you describe, said Mr. Utterson. Quite so, sir, returned Poole. Well, when that masked thing, like a monkey, jumped from among the chemicals and whipped into the cabinet, it went down my spine like ice. Oh, I know it's not evidence, Mr. Utterson. I'm book-learned enough for that. But a man has his feelings, and I give you my Bible word, it was Mr. Hyde. Hey, hey, said the lawyer. My fears incline to the same point. Evil, I fear, founded evil, was sure to come of that connection. Eh, truly, I believe you. I believe poor Harry is killed, and I believe his murderer, for what purpose God alone can tell, is still lurking in his victim's room. Well, let our name be Vengeance. Call Bradshaw. The footman came at the summons, very white and very nervous. Pull yourself together, Bradshaw, said the lawyer. This suspense, I know, is telling upon all of you. But it is now our intention to make an end of it. Poole here and I are going to force our way into the cabinet. If all is well, my shoulders are broad enough to bear the blame. Meanwhile, lest anything should really be amiss, or any malefactor seek to escape by the back, you and the boy must go round the corner with a pair of good sticks and take your post at the laboratory door. We give you ten minutes to get to your stations. As Bradshaw left, the lawyer looked at his watch. And now, Poole, let us get to ours, he said, and taking the poker under his arm, led the way into the yard. The scud had banked over the moon, and it was now quite dark. The wind, which only broke in puffs and droughts into that deep well of building, tossed the light of the candle to and fro about their steps, until they came into the shelter of the theater where they sat down silently to wait. London hummed solemnly all around, but nearer at hand, the stillness was only broken by the sounds of a footfall moving to and fro along the cabinet floor. So it will walk all day, sir, whispered Poole. Aye, and the better part of the night. Only when a new sample comes from the chemist, there's a bit of a break. Ah, it's an ill conscience that's such an enemy to rest. Ah, sir, there's blood foully shed in every step of it. But hark again, a little closer. Put your heart in your ears, Mr. Utterson, and tell me, is that the doctor's foot? The steps fell lightly and oddly, with a certain swing, for all they went so slowly. It was different indeed from the heavy creaking tread of Henry Jekyll. Utterson sighed. Is there anything else? he asked. Poole nodded. Once, he said, once I heard it weeping. 
Weeping? How's that? said the lawyer, conscious of a sudden chill of horror. Weeping like a woman, nor a lost soul, said the butler. I came away with that upon my heart, that I could have wept too. But now the ten minutes drew to an end. Poole disinterred the axe from under a stack of packing straw. The candle was set upon the nearest table to light them to the attack, and they drew near with bated breath to where that patient foot was still going up and down, up and down, in the quiet of the night. Jekyll, cried Utterson with a loud voice, I demand to see you. He paused a moment, but there came no reply. I give you fair warning. Our suspicions are aroused, and I must and shall see you, he resumed, if not by fair means, then by foul, if not of your consent, then by brute force. Utterson, said the voice, for God's sake, have mercy. Ah, that's not Jekyll's voice. It's Hyde's, cried Utterson. Down with the door, Poole. Poole swung the axe over his shoulder. The blow shook the building, and the red baize door leapt against the lock and hinges. A dismal screech, as of a mere animal terror, rang from the cabinet. Up went the axe again, and again the panels crashed and the frame bounded. Four times the blow fell, but the wood was tough, and the fittings were of excellent workmanship. And it was not until the fifth that the lock burst, and the wreck of the door fell inwards on the carpet. The besiegers, appalled by their own riot and the stillness that had succeeded, stood back a little and peered in. There lay the cabinet before their eyes in the quiet lamplight, a good fire glowing and chattering on the hearth, the kettle singing its thin strain, a drawer or two open, papers neatly set forth on the business table, and nearer, the fire, the things laid out for tea, the quietest room, you would have said, and, but for the glazed presses full of chemicals, the most commonplace that night in London. Right in the middle, there lay the body of a man sorely contorted and still twitching. They drew near on tiptoe, turned it on its back and beheld the face of Edward Hyde. He was dressed in clothes far too large for him, clothes of the doctor's bigness. The cords of his face still moved with a semblance of life, but life was quite gone, and by the crushed vial in the hand and the strong smells of kernels that hung upon the air, Utterson knew that he was looking on the body of a self-destroyer we have come too late, he said sternly. Whether to save or punish, Hyde has gone to his account, and it only remains for us to find the body of your master. The far greater proportion of the building was occupied by the theater, which filled almost the whole ground story and was lighted from above. And by the cabinet, which formed an upper story at one end and looked upon the courts, a corridor joined the theater to the door on the by street, and with this, the cabinet communicated separately by a second flight of stairs. 
There was besides a few dark closets and a spacious cellar. All these they now thoroughly examined. Each closet needed but a glance, for all were empty, and all, by the dust that fell from their doors, had stood long unopened. The cellar indeed was filled with crazy lumber, mostly dating from the times of the surgeon who was Jekyll's predecessor. But even as they opened the door, they were advertised of the uselessness of further search. By the fall of a perfect mat of cobweb, which had for years sealed up the entrance. Nowhere was there any trace of Henry Jekyll, dead or alive. Poole stamped on the flags of the corridor. He must be buried here, he said, hearkening to the sound. Or he may have fled, said Utterson, and he turned to examine the door in the by street. It was locked, and lying nearby on the flags, they found the key, already stained with rust. This does not look used, observed the lawyer. Use? Echo Poole. Do you not see it, sir? It is broken, much as if a man had stamped on it. Aye, continued Utterson, and the fractures, too, are rusty. The two men looked at each other with a scare. This is beyond me, Poole, said the lawyer. Let us go back to the cabinet. They mounted the stair in silence, and, still, with an occasional awestruck glance at the dead body, proceeded more thoroughly to examine the contents of the cabinet. At one table, there were traces of chemical work, various measured heaps of some white salt being laid on glass saucers, as though for an experiment in which the unhappy man had been prevented. That is the same drug that I was always bringing him, said Poole, and even as he spoke, the kettle with a startling noise boiled over. This brought them to the fireside, where the easy chair was drawn cozily up, and the tea things stood ready to the sitter's elbow, the very sugar in the cup. There were several books on a shelf. One lay beside the tea things, open, and Utterson was amazed to find it a copy of a pious work for which Jekyll had several times expressed a great esteem, annotated in his own hand with startling blasphemies. Next, in the course of their review of the chamber, the searchers came to the cheval glass into whose depths they looked with an involuntary horror, but it was so turned as to show them nothing but the rosy glow playing on the roof the fire sparkling in a hundred repetitions along the glazed front of the presses, and their own pale and fearful countenances stooping to look in. This glass has seen some strange things, sir, whispered Poole. And surely none stranger than itself, echoed the lawyer in the same tones. For what did Jekyll... He caught himself up at the word with a start, and then conquering the weakness. What could Jekyll want with it? he said. You may say that, said Poole. Next, they turned to the business table. On the desk, among the neat array of papers, a large envelope was uppermost and bore, in the doctor's hand, the name of Mr. Utterson. The lawyer unsealed it, and several enclosures fell to the floor. The first was a will, 
drawn in the same eccentric terms as the one which he had returned six months before, to serve as a testament in case of death and as a deed of gift in case of disappearance. But in place of the name of Edward Hyde, the lawyer, with indescribable amazement, read the name of Gabriel John Utterson. He looked at Poole, and then back at the paper, and last of all, at the dead malefactor stretched upon the carpet. My head goes round, he said. He has been all these days in possession. He had no cause to like me. He must have raged to see himself displaced, and he has not destroyed this document. He caught up the next paper. It was a brief note in the doctor's hand and dated at the top. Oh, Poole, the lawyer cried. He was alive and here this day. He cannot have been disposed of in so short of a space. He must be still alive. He must have fled. And then why fled and how? And in that case, can we venture to declare this suicide? Oh, we must be careful. I foresee that we may yet involve your master in some dire catastrophe. Why don't you read it, sir? Asked Poole. Because I fear, replied the lawyer solemnly. God grant I have no cause for it. And with that, he brought the paper to his eyes and read as follows. My dear Utterson, when this shall fall into your hands, I shall have disappeared. Under what circumstances, I have not the penetration to foresee. But my instinct and all the circumstances of my nameless situation tell me that the end is sure and must be early. Go then, and first read the narrative which Lanyon warned me he was to place in your hands. And if you care to hear more, turn to the confession of your unworthy and unhappy friend, Henry Jekyll. Hmm. There was a third enclosure, asked Utterson. Here, sir, said Poole, and gave into his hands a considerable packet sealed in several places. The lawyer put it in his pocket. I would say nothing of this paper. If your master has fled or is dead, we may at least save his credit. It is now ten. I must go home and read these documents in quiet, but I shall be back before midnight when we shall send for the police. Who likes dark stories? People who have experienced a touch of the dark side. People who are a little wiser to the world. People who like their bones chilled and their spines tingled. People like you and me. It's hard to find a story these days that write on the dark side with a touch of whimsy, humor, and heart. Mav Sky spreads her dark wings and solves this problem for you. Head on over to Amazon and type Mav Sky's name into the search engine. M-A-V-S-K-Y-E. At Amazon, you'll find her Tales to Chill Your Bones series, Girl Clown Hatchet series, Supergirl series, her cult classic novel, Wanted Single Rails, and, of course, her brand new release, Cold Hangs the Midnight. Choose your dark flavor and head on over to Amazon today.